Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. And I'm your co-host, Ryan. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. But before all that, we want to let you know the ways that you can be our heroes and help support our show. The easiest and simplest way is to give us a like and a share. Yep. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. Yeah. Those are super easy ways. Yep. If you're looking to spend a few dollars... Swing over to our website. We've got affiliate links with all the tools you need to enhance your game. Yeah, the great thing about it is they link directly from our website to Amazon, so you can support our show by just buying things you were already going to buy anyway. Right. I'd like to point out, we have almost, I think we have every single book that's Wizards released, including the new Tales from the Yawning Portal. And if you're going to pick it up anyway, why don't you swing on over and purchase it through our Amazon affiliate link? It doesn't charge you any yeah, more no at any, all. No extra charge or anything. It just it's gives just... us a small percentage for sending you there uh, Absolutely. that way. Sending you to them. The other thing, and the much bigger thing... is Patreon. Patreon. We are now on Patreon. So if you sign up to become a patron, you get access to all kinds of cool things. Uh, from behind-the-scenes uh, pictures to our show notes in advance... To you know, special Google Hangouts and games with us. Yep, you'll get to watch us as we record and kind of get some input. You know, kind of ask us questions as we're recording live. Yeah, I think that's a really good one, and it's it's for as little as three dollars a month, which is the literally probably the change in my couch right now. <laughs> yeah, it's a cup of coffee a month. So, yeah. so and if you think our show if you is go worth to Starbucks, it, it's half a cup of coffee a month. <laughs> <laughs> if you think. <laughs> <laughs> if you think our show's worth it and worth the investment, swing on by, show us you love us, um, and help support us, because this is a very costly hobby. Yeah. <laughs> so, now, for one of your favorite parts, I have no doubts, where we give away free shit. Yeah. Who doesn't love free shit? You right? love free shit? I, I love, love free shit. shit. So, thanks to our fellowship member, Goblinstone, all of Crit Nation has a chance to win a wonderful prize each and every week. Each episode, we'll be drawing one lucky subscriber's name, and they're going to win the five-star rated adventure... Banquet of the Damned. Goblinstone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to be- get published. Make sure to head on over to goblinstone.com or you can check out their fellowship link on our website at critacademy.com. 
And today's winner of the awesome five-star rated adventure is... D. Matty Bug. Yeah! <laughs> Congratulations, D. Maddie Bug. You are our winner this week. If you enjoy the adventure, please let us know or send send us an email or swing yeah. it over to Goblinstone and tell them how much you love it. Absolutely. No doubt you'll love it. It's yeah. awesome. Thank you for joining us today at Crit Academy Studios where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. Yep, that's right. Your roles are like a party without a rogue in a room full of traps. That's rough. That is rough. It's Mage Hand. <laughs> just set, set, go, set all set the traps all off. Not <laughs> all traps are so obvious, though, that you can do that. Send the gnome. Send in the gnome. Hunt the gnome. Don't give him a choice. <laughs> um, on today's show, we are going to hear back from Redditor iPrank and regarding uh, the dual wheel feat. We will also be discussing as our main topic it's a trap! <laughs> and then, of course, our final segment our unearthed tips and tricks. Yay! Oh, and we give away prizes. Yeah, more prizes. Yeah, more Lord's free man. stuff. Yeah, you love free stuff. <laughs> so, but before all that, let's hear about what's going on in the realm. Ryan, what's going on in your realm? So today, I at the school that I attend and work at, we had in a uh, Middle Eastern fair. Middle East fair. Well, Middle East. We called it the Middle East Fair, but it's really a Middle East and North Africa fair. <laughs> it, it was mostly about like Arabic-speaking countries and their culture and stuff like that. Um, you know, we had stations for countries like Israel, UAE, Syria, Libya, you know, a different bunch of places. And the cool thing about uh, the city we live in is it's actually very diverse. And we actually had each state, each table was stationed or worked by someone from that country. Um, That's cool. I actually spent about. <laughs> 40 minutes talking to the people running the Syria table because funny story my there's a uh, Syrian singer named Nasif Zaytun and he's actually pretty good if you like foreign music you should check him out but my uh, um it's like kind of like like hip-hoppy type feeling it's it's interesting um but my Japanese teacher is obsessed with him and she was talking to the people from Syria and I was like have you ever heard of Nassif Zaytun? And the the girl was saying that she freaked out too. She's like, "Oh my god, you know that!" And so then they were both like freaking out, going crazy with each other. And <laughs> so that was funny. But uh, anyway, I said all that to say I ran into the my school's head of international study, and I actually talked to him. And I have a meeting with him next week to try to set up a study abroad opportunity for me and a friend in Japan next year. That would be awesome. Um, Not that I'm happy to lose my co-host, but... As much as I am planning to go around this time next year regardless, if my school will pay for it and sponsor me, that's going to be a lot. That's going to make it a lot easier Oh, yeah. Go. Well, I, you know what? I raised my glass to you ro- rolling a crit on that charisma check. Right. So, yeah, I'm meeting with them Tuesday. I'm hoping things work out and it's in the cards. And, I mean, worst case scenario, it doesn't happen. Like, that's what I figured. Like, the worst case scenario... He says he can't do it, and right. I'm in the same spot I was. I, I, I can't lose. I got nothing to lose on it, so I figured, oh, let's go for it and see if my school will help me out. Yeah, hell of an experience, that's for sure. Yeah, because my school does, even though it's a community college, we do do study abroad stuff. That's awesome. Um, like, I actually, he, the, it's funny, the head of the international re- or study 
program is my Japanese teacher's husband, and I had him for history. Huh. And when I had him, he missed a week and a half of class because he was in Iceland setting up a study abroad opportunity. Very cool. So he's very, very serious about letting his students and yeah, study I abroad. I graduated and, from Mont, and I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, I did. Of I, I was in IT, so. Yeah, I did really well in his class, so he loves me. Obviously, I do all my Japanese classes, so I'm a tutor there, and so mm-hmm. my, that teacher loves me. So I'm in with both of them, and so if it's going like to work for anyone, if it's going to work for anyone, hopefully it'll work for me. Well, very cool. I, yeah. I hope that I really do hope that that works out for you. What about your realm, Justin? Enough about me. I've I been wish, talking for three hours. I wish you the best, though. <laughs> Thank you. I have been playing around with D and D Beyond, the first phase. Oh my god, I forgot it! I forgot about that. <laughs> How have I not downloaded it? I don't know. It is very cool. It's an I'm open beta right, it right now, now, so. Make sure you give it a shot. Right now, the Phase 1 released of the compendium, listings, and access to the forums. And I have to say, this is really nice. It's very well set up. It's very... And it's really just got a great quick search, and, and it's easy-to-read function. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I have really no... This is the online resource that we've been waiting for. Yeah. No longer is Wizard missing out on other people stealing their profits because they're making this stuff. So I'm imagining this doesn't come with like all the core, core rules built in and everything, does it? Right now it does. Right now it's and got it's the free. basic rules in it. And it's free. Right now, yes. Wow. I don't know if they're going to stay that way, but right now it's got all the basic online resources free, which includes the basic rules. Um if this is anything like the one that they had for four e, which was awesome, it's gonna they're eventually going to do a character builder, and you'll be able to custom build monsters and all these. They had a lot of really cool features yeah. in quick searching of text. Um, I really love it so far. I haven't delved into it as much as I want, um, but I love like the item section, the monster section. The monster is my favorite as a DM. The monster uh, section that has a list of all the monsters. You can search them by monster name, yeah. challenge rating, you know, size, environment. That's awesome. I-, I love thumbing through my book. Don't get me wrong, but when I've got three different monsters on the table, it'd be nice if I can just click this little plus sign here and print that section off. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, I'm definitely loving it. Yeah, They've done a phenomenal all the pages job. And flip back and forth through them constantly. Yeah. They've done. Well, a this is a smartphone job. app as well, too, right? Yes, it's yeah. on the phone. It's so on you can have everything on your phone, flipping back and forth, yeah. and or a tablet, whatever you know, yeah. whatever your whatever it internet is you device use. of yeah. choice. Um, it's very Laptop. cool. Highly recommend it. So definitely swing by uh, yeah, com. Yeah, these I love these like. Apps like the third. I actually love a lot of the third party ones. I think we even talked about it in like yeah, one we of our, do the D&D like our first one. two or three episodes. I talked. Well, I talked about Fight Club Five. Yes, which I found uh, equivalent version for like which, the, uh, and that was what I was curious about D and D Beyond, <clears throat> which was how it was going to be able to stack up against something like Fight Club Five, because uh, that I don't know yet. Yeah, well, and that's because like I was curious if it's going to come with the bu- rules built in and everything. Because if it didn't, well, what's the difference? But if it, if it is coming with rules built in, that's I, I, I don't know how I forgot about it. I, I knew it was coming out. And I yeah, just totally well, you're forgot really that. busy with all your school yeah. stuff. There's no getting around that. So if you actually look, um, the shows all three phases. I feel like I'm looking at a Marvel thing right now. Yeah. Um, so the first phase, Beta Phase 1, is unlocked, and it's compendium lists and forums. Beta Phase 2 will be the character builder and the character sheet customization stuff. And then the third one will be like homebrew integration and campaign management. Which That's what I'm excited sweet. for. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I want to know what's in that. So... Um, 
they're keeping pretty tight-lipped on some of this stuff, so yeah. we'll uh, follow it closely. Once all three phases are executed, we will probably do an entire episode on it. Do they have any uh, timetable for... I'm sure they do. I don't know right offhand, to be honest. All right, so yeah, that's what that's going on in my world. I've spent a lot of time playing with it, and I can't wait to play with it a little more. Yeah. So. Anyway, so moving on to let's talk about blank. We here uh, have a question here from Redditor I Prank. He says, so dual-wielding feet doesn't allow your offhand to use the dex modifier, right? Also, I just read somewhere it can give you three attacks by using two attacks and then a bonus action to throw a dagger, and that just seems wrong. I'm a rogue and was planning on getting it, but since my DM lets me pull out two daggers instantly, is there even a point to this? I can just go level one fighter and get dex bonus, can't I? So the uh, There's several things wrong with this, his understanding, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, start. The dual-wielding feat is different from the dual-wielding fight, fighter style. Well, it's two-weapon fighting. Two-weapon fighting. What is the dual-wielding feat? Allows you to wield two non-light weapons and gotcha. gives you an extra AC when one AC when dual-wielding. Okay. So it does not add modifier right. to your right. offhand. So let's start from the beginning. Dual-wielding feet does not allow your offhand to use a dex modifier. No. What dual-wielding allows you to do is allows you to use two weapons that aren't light, so you normally can't dual-wield. Right. So normally you would dual-wield two short swords or two daggers. Yeah. You can dual-wield two long swords with this yeah. or two rapiers or yeah. somewhere along the lines. And it also gives you an AC bonus when you're dual-wielding. Now, the dual-wielding fighting style, it's which are available... two-weapon two fighting. fighting. Yeah, I know. I'm going to keep saying that. The two-weapon fighting fighting style that is available to, like, rangers and rogues, or not rogues, uh, fighters, I almost said warriors, that does let your offhand use your dex modifier for damage. Yes. So Ranger has it, too, right? Yeah. Did you say that? Yeah, I said ranger and And fighter. fighter. Are they the only two? I think so. I think so. Barbarian might, maybe? No. I know they get great weapon fighting. No. The only ones that have fighting styles are the ranger, the fighter, the cleric can get it. Uh, No. The ranger, the fighter, and the paladin. And the paladin doesn't have the gotcha. dual two-weapon fighting. You got me saying it now, yeah. asshole. Two-weapon fighting one. So, and then he says, Also, I read somewhere that it can give you three attacks by using two attacks and then a bonus to throw a dagger. And that seems wrong. That's because that is that wrong. That is wrong. <laughs> now, if <laughs> you're a fighter, you, you if you dual wield, then at level four or five, five you, you get, get an extra, extra attack. attack. And that would be... You could... Use your attacks to throw two weapons or hit, do two weapon strikes and then throw a dagger. Um, right. But that's not from the dual wielding feat. That's from your fighter feature that gives you an extra attack. Right. I'd like to point out in your two weapon fighting, you can throw multiple daggers if you've got them. Yeah. Um, some people forget that when you're two weapon fighting. I've built a two weapon fighter just throws shit. <laughs> you know, you can you can do that, but you aren't going to get any extra attacks from the dual wield feat. Yeah. And then the third, I'm a rogue and planning on getting it, but since my DM lets me pull out two daggers instantly, is there even a point in this? If you're using daggers, you'll get one AC. Yeah. But you're not really getting the most out of Yeah, you would probably feat. be better off taking like the ability score increase or taking a different feat. Like mobility. Yeah. Uh, or alert. I like alert. I fucking hate alert. I love alert. It's way overpowered. Yep. It, it, um, it'll make your DM hate you. It says, uh... Um, I can just go level one into fighter and get a dex bonus, can't I? No. You would need to go two levels into fighter to pick up the fighting style to weapon fighting. That would allow you to add your dex modifier to your offhand strikes. Yeah. Um, but yes, I will say, as someone who frequently plays rogue, I don't think it's the best feat for a rogue. 
I would wager to say it's not a good feat for a rogue. <laughs> well, I don't know. You can do wield rapiers. Yeah. So you Th- get that two is one true. D8, it depends. Yeah, it, depen- it depends on your mechanics. Yeah. I mean, most rogues don't wield two of those. Yeah, but. exactly. Some rogues do like using rapiers. I, I generally every time when I play rogues, I usually use the double dagger because I just like the the flavor of it. Yeah, I like that's what I picture as a rogue is two short, two small weapons. Right. Thank you for your question, I prank. We hope we answered your question. Our main topic of the day is it's a trap. <laughs> I'll make you eat those words. So traps can be found almost anywhere. One wrong step in a dungeon, and uh, an ancient spear trap may turn your party into a shish kebab. Yum. I like shish kebabs. Maybe seemingly normal vines hanging from tree may attempt to choke anyone who forces their way through. Traps are either mechanical, such as pits, poison darts and size, or magical traps that cast stored spell effects such as the alarm spell trap or a gust of wind near the top of a cliff. That could be fun. Uh, of course. I like to put them at the top of stairs and yeah. watch them go tumbling down. I like to make stairs that turn into ramps. That's pretty. That's a classic one. I like that. Yeah, yeah. it's like a, a very Scooby-Doo-esque. Scooby-Dooby. Sorry. <laughs> you ever think of how fucked up Scooby-Doo is? No, I haven't. Like, the talking dog really does throw me for a loop. How high is Shaggy? Oh, definitely. You notice, I'm yeah. pretty sure he's usually the only one that, like, talks to Scooby. And, like, has Scooby talk back to him. I've never noticed and that. And he's always eating dog treats. Because he's got... Shaggy's stoned. Oh, he's blitzed out of he's his skull. So we know stoned. that, but I don't... I never Fred's noticed... wearing an ascot. Yeah, that's just bad. <laughs> I never and noticed him and if... Velma, or him and Daphne always go off alone. That is pretty messed up. Yeah, Scooby-Doo's so, anyway. kind of messed up. Anyway. Um, so, uh... Traps can be tricky. Yeah. So designing them. Designing a trap can be pretty tricky. So we're going to kind of give you some steps to follow to really help optimize the process now i wrote this before wizards released their our unearthed arcana thing that had the traps so this is uh different than that so you can use both resources mm. to um design mm. your traps yeah. um definitely do that i'm not That's saying cool. that i'm right and that this is the best process <laughs> right. i'm not saying this is the best process but definitely use both of them in the consideration yeah. doesn't so. make us right and them wrong doesn't make them right and us wrong I'm always right. Um, so, <laughs> I was waiting for that. Yeah. So the first thing you want to do is you want to make sure that the trap fits the theme of the dungeon. If you're in the water temple. You don't need fucking fire traps. <laughs> <laughs> you, you in the spirit of Zelda being released recently. Yes. Oh, dude, man. I got it. I have, I'll I be honest. I need a Nintendo! I'll be honest. I have never once wanted a Nintendo more than I do right now. I avoided the GameCube. I avoided the Wii. I avoided the Wii U. I need the Switch. I say that now, but I do have a Wii, and I do have Skyward Sword, and I loved it. <laughs> um, I avoided that for so long, and I you never wanted it more. I do have a DS now. I didn't have that before. Long time, didn't have a Nintendo. Yeah. All right, Um. so... Um, Just emulate it. Yeah, don't so do that. That's bad and that's illegal. illegal. Don't, don't listen to him. Uh, so making sure it fits the theme is pretty critical. It definitely makes... You want to seem like everything fits. Yeah. Um, it, it's really jarring. Like, 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 even though we we're kind of being silly, if you're in a, a waterish dungeon and a pillar of fire shoots up, <laughs> I guess it could be steam. <laughs> I guess that would work. But, you know. um, so that's the that's the first thing. Um, the next thing you're going to want to choose is the difficulty, and the reason this is important because traps, while they have, they need you need to understand what it is, how dangerous your trap is to yeah, your definitely. players. 
because you don't want a super deadly trap right at the That's opening. Do that might kill somebody. 15 D8, and they're level 3. <laughs> and, and just destroy them right off the bat. Maybe you do. Maybe you do want them, Chan. Maybe you give them plenty of clues and everything, and yeah, they still and miss it. They're not supposed to hit this right, trap. Right. Um, so, there is a things. table on page 121 of the Dungeon Master's Guide, which can be useful in determining the difficulty of a trap. How is the trap a danger is our next step. Yeah, how does it once, work? Once you've established the difficulty, you want to know how is the trap a danger. So there's a couple different ones. Um, a real common one is like a slingshot-style trap. where Shoots a projectile it's, out. Yeah, it's one and done. It triggers, it goes, it, that's it. It doesn't come back. Uh, a, a chest dart is a really common one, right? You open the yeah. chest, bing, shoots out. Yeah. Um, that's a really con- uh, common one. Another one is a continuous trap. These are like... Uh, pillars that shoot out torrents of fire and they just keep you know spinning in circles yeah. shooting out torrents of fire or like swinging pendulum blades yeah where yeah. they just keep going back and forth and yeah. they don't stop like skyrim the next are ones that have area of effect you know um these can be either a slingshot type trap or a continuous like one a boulder rolls they, down the hill yeah they, or it could be like you know a, a rune on the ground that's a pillar of flame shoots out of and just constantly shoots out like or maybe it's it goes in waves and it's something they have to pass through right um then you have terrain traps these are the ones that are more common to you know the area and the hazards around it like if you're walking through a, a, like a, a mine yeah. you walk oh, through yeah, a mine yeah. and it collapses that would be yeah. more of like a, a, like terrain, a staged avalanche or, or an avalanche something like that yeah, yeah um then you have uh stress traps this is where the threat kind of increases over time the most common one is a room filling with water and as it gradually fills the panic should start to set in as they fail to yeah, undo the trap. we actually used one a few episodes ago for our encounter of the podcast with the spiked walls that are closing in right right yeah, yeah. yeah so that's a very that's a very good uh, example of you know stress traps those are a lot of fun especially if the players are having difficulty solving it and it's getting closer and closer and closer and closer yeah. until they're all dead um not yep. that you would kill them <laughs> and then uh the last trap that we have here, type of trap we have here, is the status effect trap. Diseases, poisons, confusion. We just talked about euphoric gas on the last one. Yeah. That's a type of status effect trap. Or even if it's some kind of like, as he's picking this, lo- or as he goes to open this lock, a little tiny needle pricks his finger and poisons him. Right. Um, something so silly. Maybe like it's that. a combination of those. Yeah, different not something. Things. I didn't mean to say silly. I meant to say little. But <laughs> <laughs> so that would be your, you know, what is the danger the trap is causing? Yeah. So now, after you decide what the trap's going to do, you need to decide how it's going to be triggered. One of the more common ways to do it is a pressure plate. Right. You, know, you step on this area in the ground, the trap goes off. Or you could even to use, you step on this area of the ground, the trap is turned off. Ooh, I and like so that. maybe as long as someone's stepping on that, or if no one's, ste- as long as there's no one on that plate, this thing is impassable. So you have to find some way to weigh down that pressure plate in order to be able to pass through it. Dead carcass is always a good way. Yeah. You're not wrong. Um, um, proximity is another good one. So as you move closer to this, th- this is more of a magical trap thing. As you move closer to- towards it, the trap eventually sets off just from you being close to it. Right. Uh, one can be like an incorrect password. It's you know if you're running like a more futuristic game type or something like that where you're like punching in a key code. And well, not only that, just in general. Uh, let's say you got to have a switches and levers in a certain order oh, to yeah, open yeah. a door, but you put them in the wrong way and fucking ceiling comes crashing Pull the down lever, crunk! <laughs> and then the ceiling comes crashing down on top yeah. of you. So. Um, the next one is a tripwire, which everyone knows, you know, very classic. 
Uh, you walk into a room, walk over a little fishing line, and a log comes flying at you. You really want to throw your players off? Put dozens of tripwires in a dungeon. That are but only, attached to nothing. Yeah, but only one actually triggers something. Yeah. Put it like somewhere in the seventy thir- percent thir- uh, through their through their uh, dungeon, and they they're like, oh man, another one. Oh, it must be broken. Yeah. Must be broken. Ah! And then finally, uh, by touching an object, this one is very reminiscent of um, World of Warcraft with Leroy Jenkins. Oh uh, yeah, where it, the Black Rock Depths, where the eggs you touch an egg and it hatches a, a little baby Drake, and um, they mess you up, dude. <laughs> that, 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 that room on their was so own, they're hard. not so. They're not, on their own, they're not so hard. But when you get like a dozen of them, that's yeah, bad. that room was so hard. Um, Especially like, have you ever noticed in that video they have the worst strategy? Yes, it's because it was staged. I know, but like, <laughs> their their strategy was to go in and group them all up and then fear them all. <laughs> So they all go running in random directions and run into shout. more eggs. I remember that <laughs> And then he's like, oh, can I get a number crutch? Uh, I'm coming up with a 3.33, repeating, of course, percentage chance of survival. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, that's better than... All right, two of them, so let's do this. Yeah, that anyway. was staged, and I think a lot of people didn't realize that. The, uh, I'm like, come on, people. The funny thing is, the guy, the Leroy Jenkins, he actually ended up becoming like a professional caster for professional Yeah, I saw arena. that. He was uh, uh, talking, uh, broad- yeah. broadcasting. He actually became like successful. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All because he's shouting his name. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that is, those are some sam- examples of ways you can trigger, and you can, if you want, you can take these and the examples we're giving you, and just roll a die to pick these yeah. these examples and yeah. choose make a tra- trap out of this guide that we're giving you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the next step is how is it detected? Uh, the most obvious dis- way is through perception. You know, whether it's through eyes, ears, nose, whatever senses they shoulders, have. knees, and toes. Oh God! <laughs> shoulders, knees, and toes. Knees and toes. So um, that's obviously the most obvious, but not definitely not the only. Um, another one would be like detect magic, you know, for magic traps. You know, uh, this is a if they use it as a ritual, it can be time consuming. <laughs> ten minutes to cast every time out. they run into a room. <laughs> all right, all right, guys, give me ten minutes. Start drawing circles on the ground. That's a good candles. time to have an ambush happen. Oh, for if sure. If your player keeps doing that every time you walk oh. into a room, they cast that. Are you giving hints to our DM tip of the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> you are. <laughs> Maybe. Did you not read it? I did. <laughs> Ass. Characters att- triggering the, attempting to trigger the traps, you know, poking stuff with sticks and mm-hmm. and using uh, mage hand yeah. and throwing gusts, you know, gusts of wind or something. Uh, or throw the gnome. Throw the gnome. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the track is trap is undetectable until triggered. Yeah. These ones are definitely more dangerous. But are not impossible to deal with. Yeah, so with these, you really want to, when it triggers, you know, you want to give, one of the ones I like is, I uh, I called it the, it was like the Glyph of Thunderclap or something like that, or a Thundertrap or something like that, and it was basically an area that had like an invisible enchantment on it that when they walked, that when someone stepped on it, th- a Thunder, not Thunderclap, Thunderwave, Thunderwave was cast from their location. That's awesome. From that from that area they were stepping on. And it was, so it was a pressure Yeah, you couldn't tell that it was there until it, it wasn't even a pressure plate. It was like a spell. Oh, okay. It was a spell that was cast. But it didn't leave any like visible signs. Right. I guess detect magic. Detect magic would have been one for that, but yeah. that's often what you I didn't find have is. any magic users in my group. And so like I what my what I did was I made it so it wasn't devastating if it got stepped on. 
because you know it's not that like okay thunderclap thunderwave got cast everyone got knocked back a little bit took a little bit of damage and plus it's really loud so it alerts all right the it bad alerted guys, everyone but it's I not like it's not like I hit him with a ninth level fireball because <laughs> it was a level five adventure um so yeah um it's okay to make some tracks traps undetectable but you want to be restrained have restraint yeah um, usually. Like give them an opportunity to avoid the damage if there is damage. Right. Like a deck save. Well, and a good example of this is what you just described. You know, you don't always have all the classes you need, so it's going to be considered undetectable because you know the group doesn't have a mage. Yeah. Oh well, it doesn't mean you can't use those types of ma- traps. Just yeah. means that they're gonna really be more cautious. Maybe they'll go find a henchman to cast spells or something. Who knows? Another uh, way to detect is you know a lever is pulled or a button is is pushed you know the players are triggering it or the enemies are triggering the trap there's a big red button that says do not push on the wall i'm gonna push it (laughs) the other way is allowing them to discover the trap without a check or any action they can just clearly see it they can just clearly see that it's a trap you know and for instance a really great example of that is the indiana jones movie when it's got the little monkey golden monkey on the pedestal you know that's a trap you're looking right at it it's like right. who leaves a golden monkey on a pedestal <laughs> i mean that's clearly a trap right. they may not be able to uh to uh, discern exactly how it's a trap but they can clearly see oh that's definitely a trap we've all it's had a trap those. we've had those moments so determining uh detection uh, how they're going to detect it will help you kind of anticipate what the players will do then you need countermeasures countermeasures are really you know important because you have to think about okay why why is this trap here and if i set the trap how am i going to bypass it yeah as the creator am i going to have uh, a hidden button or a lever is there a secret password or spell that i whisper that allows me to pass it or is there just a secret passage that goes around you need to determine what types of countermeasures uh art can be used whether it's the thieves toolkit or the mages detect magic. Um, or dispel magic, even. Or dispel magic, even. Yeah, yeah. this is a good one. Um, yeah, my, keep in mind, you mages out there, that mage hand can be really useful for opening things from a distance and trying to set off traps <laughs> yeah. remotely. Um, you can attempt to, with mechanical traps, attempt to jam it. You know, if you have one of those spinning fire death trap things, you can try to jam it so it can't move anymore. Yeah, so you're maybe you maybe not be bypass you're bypassing it indirectly, but maybe when you come back it's triggered in place. Right. Uh, which leads us to the next thing. You know, you could jerry rig the trap so that it triggers on an enemy. Which can be just as maybe useful move the tra- as another person. Maybe move the triggering mechanism so they know where it's at, so they purposely don't walk there and they step on the pressure plate that you moved. Or if it's uh it works the opposite way. What if it's a lever they put pull to disengage it? And instead of disengaging it or locking it in place, it then triggers the trap. Yeah. Obviously, you'd want somebody with intellect. I'm not. I wouldn't recommend having big bumbling barbarian trying to do this. Right. But if you got team members that can do that, definitely take advantage of it. Yeah. So then, the last real big step you're going to want to do is you're going to really want to assign experience. Traps. Traps are just like monsters. They are encounters, and they are worthwhile, and they're worth. They should be rewarding for the players to really go through right that that's the the point you know not every encounter has to be with a monster yeah experience should be based on the the level of the danger of the trap yeah 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 yeah. um i have some recommended examples uh that i've used this is by no means the the right way the be all right all whatever it should kind of vary a little bit by design 
in danger, but um, some recommended level of experience that we have. Um, for example, we are going to use a examples for a fourth level party. So we've got three levels that determine danger, right? You have the first level, which is just a setback. It's not designed to really kill the players. It's not designed to knock somebody unconscious. It's just designed really to Be kind of slow, slow them down yeah. a little bit. Um, our second level is dangerous, where it's possible somebody could be unconscious or two people. Um, it's definitely risky, um, but usually the party will come out unscathed for the most part. Yeah. And then our final level is deadly. It is very likely, if not handled properly, it will kill somebody. Yeah. Um, falling from a big height is a really good example of that. If you've got a powerful wind uh, spell trap that will then just blow a massive windstorm at them and knock somebody off the edge, it's very likely they're going to die. Yeah. If they don't know about that trap in advance or they don't have any way to get around it. So for the setback, we put the XP number at the same amount of XP of a CR monster with one qu- of one quarter of the party level. So with a fourth level party, it's going to be a level CR one monster. Right. And so with a fourth level party, there'd be a CR one monster, which would be like a brown bear is an example with right. for 200 ex- experience right. divided among the party. Uh, the dangerous would be half the party level, which would be a CR two, um, which a giant boar, for example, with 450 experience. And then for deadly, we said a equal to the party level, a CR equal to the party's level, which in this case would be four. So, uh, a helmed horror is an, ex- is an example that gives right. 1100 experience. The idea behind this is that, you can build entire encounters around traps. Yeah. You don't have to fight just monsters. Or you can really get fancy, and you can include them in with monsters in the combat encounters. Yeah. It gives the rogue or the wizard something to do. I know that, I think I might have discussed it once before, I had a scenario where we had these energy portals that were summoning these exploding magmans that were running out, and they were blowing up. And to disable that trap... The, wi- the wizard was using their arcane energy and trying to send an unstable influx of energy into the shield. That was pretty much all that person did for that in combat encounter, is they were going around trying to disable the shields because or the portals, because every time they did, less exploding bad guys were coming out. Right. So instead of him being the guy that blows everything up, he was the guy who was preventing from everyone else from being blown up. Right. So you can use traps in combat encounters in interesting ways to really engage the players and really throw something new at them. Yes. So... So that is our main topic. It's a trap! Ah! <laughs> if you have any ideas for traps or any ideas you think we should add that we didn't, please send us an email and share your thoughts. We'd really love to hear it. So before we move on to our owner tips and tricks, we'd like to take a minute to thank our fellowship member, Lore Smith. Yeah. Because of them, all of Crit Nation has a chance to win another wonderful prize each and every week. Each episode, we will be drawing one lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the best-selling adventure the Claws of Madness. Loresmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with their friends, finding incredible places, and meeting a lot of colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those you know, lasting impressions that pushed them to create their very first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness, and this best-selling adventure is one you're not going to want to miss. This week's winner is Snibe42. So congratulations, Snibe. You are this week's winner. 
So that brings us into our fourth and final segment, the Unearthed Tips and Tricks. First, we have our character concept of the podcast, Lost Their Fortune. This is a very interesting idea. It kind of runs on the idea that before the per- the hero wasn't a hero, they were some sort of artisan or merchant or noble who was extremely wealthy. But due to some unfortunate circumstances, they ended up fucking flat broke. <laughs> nobody stopped would end up doing business right. with them or nobody wanted anything to do with them. So they couldn't make their money back. Yeah, you know, maybe they got caught in some shady situation and got blackmailed. Yeah, especially someone. if you've got uh, other... Uh, if you've got a small party where they're from the same town, maybe the other players actually know know, know about them and are kind of wary of them at first. Yeah, yeah. Or, this really builds into your character flaw of, you know, like you can really build into that of, you know, why did you lose your fortune? What did you do wrong? Are you a bad is gambler? There, is there someone out there trying to that's out to get you because you were trying to expose someone else's shady behavior? <laughs> you know, shady on shady, man. Shady on shady. Yeah, definitely. I'm some shady. I'm the real shady. Will the real Slim Shady please stand up? We're going to have a problem here. <laughs> so it's the whole concept is that, uh, you know, they're maybe that's why they're an adventurer now. Because if they're, say, they're a merchant and their, their reputation is so bad now that they can't make trades, they can't. They have to pay the bills right. somehow. Imagine how that could come into play as a player when you go to a city to purchase new equipment. Yeah. Or you go to a tavern and you used to be the owner of one of the biggest taverns or a collection of guilds that are part running taverns. And now because of whatever event happened and your shady past, they don't even want to serve you. They won't make you weapons. They won't serve you ale. They won't, you know, you, that can really play into the, the character's persona and gives the DM a real lot to play with as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe that ends up being a plot hook for an adventure. Yep. Maybe that's their whole thing is they're trying to, undo the shady deal that they're innocent of and they're trying to get their wealth back. So that is our character concept of the podcast. Lost their fortune. Today's monster variant is the young Kraken. Just because a monster is legendary and is super powerful doesn't mean you can't use some of those ideas in smaller monsters. So we are using the origin for the giant octopus with a few feature changes that allow you to really get some of that release the Kraken without the actual giant Kraken. <laughs> Just a um, small baby version. <laughs> Hello, beastie. But can still cause its own problems for adventurers and seafarers. Yeah, absolutely. So first you have the crushing tentacles. While the young Kraken has a creature grappled, it can use its bonus action to try to crush them. Uh, the grappled target must make a DC... 15 strength save or take 2d4 plus 3 bludgeoning damage yes once they're grappled obviously that's a that's something that's really challenging to deal with as a player because not a lot of people focus on grappling grappling and this is a good opportunity to really show them that grappling can be super effective especially if you pull them underwater especially since while this thing has them grappled it gets free damage oh yeah i mean i guess they have to make the save but like it doesn't have to worry about attacking it's already got them. Right, right. The stra- yeah. the save is just to prevent, try to yeah. prevent the damage, so it's not automatic. Uh, another feature we gave them is many ten- many. I almost said testicles. Uh, many tentacles. The young kraken can use its tentacles to hold up to three creatures simultaneously. And that's definitely more than what the book says. Yeah. Um, this is meant to be a monster that can take can be a solo monster encounter. But because it's got multiple tentacles, it can deal with all the party. At I picture it grabbing one. multiple people and just 
bashing them into each other. Oh yeah, well I, I like yeah I love that idea having them swing them and use them as wep- bludgeoning mm-hmm. weapons or throwing people overboard mm-hmm. off of the ship. Yeah, I mean, just like throwing them off into the distance. <laughs> 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 you can do that with NPCs as well. I mean, it doesn't just have to be the players that go flying. Yeah. You know, that big NPC that you've been working into the story for weeks and months and. Your characters have been so attached. Just throw them a mile off. <laughs> <laughs> no. Have them land on a jagged set of rocks. <laughs> um, and then we have uh, the final feature, the shipwreck. But it's, you like that? Yeah. Almost as bad as the punish. Here. <laughs> so the, the young Kraken crashes into a ship with all of its force, and all creatures on the ship must make a DC 14 dex save or fall prone. And if they're within five feet of the edge, they must make an additional DC 14 deck save or fall overboard. Which with a young kraken in the water, you don't want to do. <laughs> right, right. So obviously, because it's a baby and it's a large size, it's not going to take down the big giant galleon type boats. But yeah. can pull pull some of the, the, the regular size ships that would be ferries that carry in the players right. or medium sized ver- merchant vessels. Yeah. Enough to cause a problem for the players and any local fishermen. So. Yep. That is our monster variant of the podcast, the Young Kraken. Our encounter of the podcast is Goblin Diplomacy. So essentially what you have is two warring goblin tribes that you know, are basically threatened to tear a neighboring village apart if their war isn't resolved. Um, it's the hero's job to try to make peace with the two tribes, or maybe even just slaughter both tribes. <laughs> um, you can adjust it to your campaign. You know, is your campaign lighthearted and fun? Make the war about something silly. You know, they're goblins. They're stupid creatures. Make the war about the color of their armor. <laughs> you know? um, is your campaign? Yeah, you know, if the only good red's a dead red. <laughs> you know, if the campaign's a little more serious, maybe you know the war stems from. You know, some type of subterfuge or assassination of, like, one of the chieftain's children. Right. Um, and so a it's a really good opportunity to try. Goblins have priests? I have no idea. Oh. They All can. Right. I have no idea. Er, Shaman. <clears throat> so it's a, a really good opportunity to try and coax your players into using a diplomatic approach. As opposed to just murder hobo everything? Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be two armies. Yeah. Maybe they're small goblin tribes, yeah. but try to... Like 50 you know, people. Yeah. <laughs> Each. <laughs> um, so you can really use this and kind of tweak it to your campaign, a little more serious, a little more fun, and uh, really create kind of a memorable experience. Because how often do your characters get to you know talk with and communicate with goblins and try to negotiate Without peace? just trying to kill them right yeah. outright. Yeah. yeah, try to negotiate Very peace uncommon. with goblins. I love it. That is our Go encounter blue. of the podcast, <laughs> Goblin Diplomacy. Go green. I'm going to stab you. <laughs> Our magic item of the podcast is the Potion of Blinding. Basically, this silvery vial you have, you can use an action and throw this vial up to 60 feet away. When the Potion Vial shatters, a flash of blinding light is released. Any creatures within a 15-foot radius of it are blinded until the end of their next turn. Of course, this does not affect creatures who cover their eyes or have blind sight or have blind sight yeah basically it's a flash bomb yeah it's a flashbang um, yeah that's basically what it is um it only lasts for a brief second but that could be a great for getting the jump on somebody or maybe escaping a situation yeah uh, maybe you need to swoop in and steal something blind everyone run in run out get yeah. done with it pretty quick you could also tweak this to make it have a loud noise as well yep and then disorient what? sound as well as sight um, but that that's completely up to you. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. Um, that's just our magic item in the podcast, the potion of blinding. Our dungeon, our DM tip of the podcast is to interrupt your players. Yeah, you can interrupt anytime during, during important conversations I during combat. <laughs> but yeah, you know, um, not necessarily interrupt your players while they're trying to speak. Right, but the characters. The characters. Yeah. Yes. Let's make sure there's a distinction yeah. there. Um, big thing is, you know. When they're having a long conversation with somebody, have something happen. Yeah. Maybe they're spending too much time in the tavern and you want to get them to Maybe fuck the out Maybe the person they're talking to gets tired of talking to them. Yeah, have them walk away. Yeah. Or have a bar fight break out. You know, yeah. something to... Or they get pickpocketed. Yeah, but they wouldn't know. They Maybe wouldn't it's know a bad pickpocket. Okay, they definitely <laughs> pickpocket. I think the best opportune time to interrupt the players is when they're attempting to take a long or short rest. Yeah. I think that when you take that, you're like, oh, I'm going to get all my spell slots in the middle of the night. I'm going to go to bed. And instead, fucking a thief breaks in in the middle of the night and tries to steal their weapons. And now they haven't got their long rest. And, oh, the wizard doesn't have no spell slots. And the paladin is fucking naked. And, <laughs> you know, they don't have time to don armor. It takes like 10 minutes to don your armor, right? Right. And If it's heavy, yeah, it takes a while. You know, when, when they're casting rituals, some of those rituals take a long time. For instance, yeah. in the Crit Academy trial episode we uh, recorded and that I'm editing for awesomeness, um, one of the players had to cast an hour-long ritual. I could have easily had somebody stumble in there and attack them while she's doing that, while she's right. on her hands and knees drawing circles and shit. Take advantage of that. Don't let them always get the rest they think. Because sometimes they plan it out. Okay, we'll go do this. Well, let's go take a rest so we can get our stuff back and then come back. Don't let them. Right. You know, have them get ambushed. Especially those people that run out of a dungeon just to camp for the night. Let them get ambushed. Let them get attacked by random wandering monsters. Yeah, Maybe it's not an attack. Maybe they get stumbled upon by some other adventurers and they go in and take their treasure (laughs) because they went camping. Yeah. You know, the other ones catch them on the way out. Oh, you guys are sleeping on the job? Why, we just stole all your treasure. Sorry. (laughs) So um, that is our Dungeon Master tip of the podcast. Interrupt the PCs. Our player tip of the podcast is don't don't be be a a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by... Enhancing your rituals. This yeah. is something that gets overlooked all the yeah, time. Yeah, so I'm just going to cast it as a ritual, and then... Fast forward ten minutes. Okay, it's casted. Um, you know, make a scene out of it. Especially, you know, this is a good idea. You know, this is a good time to wipe it, knock everything off the table, step on it. No, I'm just kidding. No, but. I like... No, I, I, I'm... Not just as a player, but in the game, too. Yeah. You know, have your character say, okay, uh, I'm going to cast a ritual and have them pull out their component par- pouch and start drawing circles and hieroglyphics and arcane symbols on the ground. Have them light some incense and some candles and have them have like a like a dead skull of some creature right in the right. center, you know? Just create a visual yeah, of what's it, happening. Yeah, don't just say, well, I'm casting this as a ritual. I'm Describe every little thing your character's doing, you know, scruffling across the floor and complaining to everybody who's kicking kicking dirt onto your, your design, you know, yeah. and interrupting your ritual. You know, and another thing you could do is you could read, just read, like, really long pa- passages from your, you know, ritual book or... You know, in addition to the the, the complex diagrams uh, that you're writing on the on the floor, you know. I actually uh, played a game one time with this guy. <laughs> he uh, brought a children's book in. I think it was like Green Eggs and Ham. And every time he cast a spell, he'd read a line from it, <laughs> and that was his spell. <laughs> uh, so that, you know, that's a kind of funny thing you do. You just bring something in that just makes absolutely no sense, and just start reading like little children's tales. And those are the, you know, that's the ritual that you're reciting to cast Circle of Teleportation or something. <laughs> that's funny. 
So that is the player tip of the podcast. Don't, Don't be, be a, a dick. dick. You can avoid dickitude by... Enhancing your rituals. If you have any other tips and trick concepts you would like us to share, go ahead and send us an email and we'll, you know, we'll share it with the world and we'll put your name on it. We'll give you your credit and uh, we'd really appreciate it because it would take our, it'd lighten our workload. More specifically, Justin's workload. <laughs> I was going to say our workload, huh? <laughs> um, please join us on our next episode where we hear your feedback from you, our heroes. We will be discussing 10 ways to make your traps more fun. We've taught you how to build them. Now let's talk about what makes them fun and engaging. Right. It's how to make them not suck. Yeah. Traps. Traps episode part two. Yeah. Something like that. We hope you enjoyed your experience here at the Crit Academy. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help others find our show by leaving a hopefully five-star review on iTunes or Lipson. Or be sure to give us a like and a share. If you leave a five-star review, we will give you a shout-out on a later episode. Yeah. You can also head on over to our website and subscribe so that we can help you on your future adventures. Uh, subscribing also enters you for a chance to win these awesome giveaways courtesy of goblin stone and loresmith yeah if you have any questions you want answered or subjects you'd like us to discuss please leave us feedback on twitter and facebook at crit academy or you can email us at crit academy at gmail.com make sure to visit our website critacademy.com where you can support us find our fellowship members and other tools that can help you enhance your game also, make sure to swing over onto Patreon. Yeah, and check us out there. Yeah, support us on Patreon. I believe it's patreon.com slash Academy, right? That's exactly what it is. Yep. So swing on over and show some love, because yep. this is expensive. Yes. <laughs> I'm your host, Justin. And I'm your host, Ryan. Thanks for listening. Keep, Keep your, your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.